G'day everyone, welcome to the final episode of Season 5 for the Work Experience Podcast. I just got access to Foxtel. Those two things might be related, but what I can tell you is it's meant I've been able to watch some television, which means we're going to have a bit of fun on today's final episode. G'day everyone, Brayden here for the last episode for a little while. The podcast is going to have a short break while we all adjust to reducing lockdown restrictions and making sense of the world as we re-emerge. And so we're going to wrap up our Round the Block series by going for a short walk with Bodie Wright. Now, Bodie Wright has recently been appointed the youth pastor at the First Church of Springfield. Now, why does that sound oddly familiar? Yes, friends, that's right. I'm talking about The Simpsons. Season 31. I can't believe it's got 31 seasons. I'm 35. It's nearly as old as me. And the church has finally employed a youth pastor. Now, we're in uh, episodes called Warring Priests. There's two parts. And whilst this isn't going to turn into a Simpsons commentary podcast, I think there's enough in those episodes for us to have a chat about. Uh, I won't be able to steal any footage or audio from the show because their lawyers are pretty good and I'd like this episode to stay on air. But I thought it was a bit of fun. Uh, You can access this show via Foxtel or uh, iTunes. I believe season 31 is coming soon and Disney Plus as well. But I won't give away too many spoilers, uh, but I think it's, it's a good lot of fun. I also need to acknowledge I haven't watched The Simpsons for probably 15 years. I was a big fan growing up, as we all were. Uh, The shine slowly wore off. I loved The Simpsons movie. In fact, it's got one of my favorite scenes ever. When uh, the end of the world is announced and we see the crowd from the pub run into the church. And at the same time, the crowd from the church run into the pub, and I reckon that's pretty prophetic, and I reckon we've seen a little bit of that during coronavirus lockdown, the amount of uh, alcoholic ministers that we've seen, and and the pubs are empty, and apparently everyone's praying, so who knows, maybe the Simpsons were right on the money there, but uh, in these episodes, uh, Reverend Lovejoy, you know, he's he's working hard, he's uh, hardly working, his wife decides to appoint a associate pastor, and in comes Bodie Wright. Bodie's got the hair, the look, he plays guitar, he's got a beaded cross necklace, he's everything that youth pastors want to be. Well, to be fair, he's everything TV wants youth pastors to be, but he does live into that stereotype beautifully. He can sing, he can charm, the older ladies have a crush on him, the younger ladies have a crush on him. And he's the kind of get, kind of guy people want to have a beer with. In fact, in the second episode, Homer does have a beer and it turns into this sort of weird Moe's Tavern confessional uh, moment. But what I want to chat about is this role and identity of a youth pastor within a congregation. And also, what I think is we capture, we capture snapshots of the theology of what's going on uh, in the First Church of Springfield and in The Simpsons generally. And I've got to say, friends, it ain't terrible. Like, obviously, some of it's done for television, and obviously, 
there's some caricatured moments in there, but there are some moments, both in how Bodhi speaks and ultimately in how Reverend Lovejoy uh, finds his true calling in nature. Well, okay, spoilers, he doesn't do that, but he uh, finds dirt on Bodhi so that the congregation turns on him and Lovejoy falls back into the role. But other than that, we could imagine that he uh, discovers his true calling. There is a lovely moment in the second half where Ned and Bodhi have this sort of biblical scripture shootout. One, uh, Ned fighting for the law and Bodhi fighting for grace. And in fact, grace is a theme that flows throughout the show. Uh, That is very much what Bodhi's trying to embody. And that might be what captures the imagination of so many of our favorite Simpsons characters turn up the you know, the ship captain, Bumblebee, all those sort of minor characters suddenly start filling the pews again and again. Uh, Flanders has to leave the church because he doesn't recognize it. He calls Bodhi this narcissistic kumbaya yo-yo. And it does challenge uh, those of us who understand the church game, who are a little sympathetic to the role of youth pastor in a congregation. I love that it's, uh, that it's a bit raw, that it is confronting. Uh, There's some great one-liners in there. Uh, Someone, and I think it's the Bumblebee, yells out that activism means nothing if it's not intersectional. Uh, There's also a glimpse of Nadia Boltz Weber's uh, new book, Accidental Saints. It's on the table uh, in Bodhi's office. So this is cutting edge. Uh, I love The Simpsons and their ability to draw in uh, pop culture and and they've done their research. Uh, Bodhi talks about God as a word we created for love. Now, we wouldn't agree with that, but we would speak to the essence of God being love. So uh, the script writers, they're informed, they're funny, they're engaging. They're, it's accessible to those who have no idea about church and those of us that have been born and bred in it. I actually think I I did an unofficial study where I thought really hard, and I think the data would suggest that uh, more Americans have spent more time in the first church of Springfield than any other church. Um, It's a regular trope in the series where uh, moments in church um, fill the episodes and, and people have a good laugh, but we do capture something of God. We do capture something of a Christian relationship, sort of stereotyped in Flanders. Um, but I think it is, it is, I think it's fun. I think it's easy. I think it's uh, comfortable for uh, the families to chat about. In fact, I have fond memories uh, going back, you know, 20 years, high school scripture classes, we would get herded into the hall. And this faithful guy, looking back now, uh, I cannot underestimate his faithfulness, would would show us the episode of The Simpsons from the week before and tease out biblical principles from it and a Christian ethic. And we would treat him like garbage. I mean, A, we'd all seen the episode already, so there was nothing new. He was working really hard to engage a teenage audience. He was right up against it. But he would. He would sit with us and he would drag out uh, Christian truths from every episode, whether it was what we saw in relationship or discipline or charity or justice or devotion, or if episodes maybe like this one had it been around then, 
uh, gave him the opportunity to, to refer to the First Church of Springfield. He would do that. And I look back now and I just uh, give thanks for that man, Mark, and the work he was doing in a ho- public high school hall up in Western Sydney uh, with a really terrible audience. And, and Mark, if you're listening, well done, mate. Uh, it's, it resonated with me 20 years later. So, you know, uh, maybe there's something in that. And by this stage, uh, you out there who are Simpsons purists are furious because I've, I've got details wrong. I've skipped over bits. I can't tell you the amount of things that have changed between when I used to watch regularly and, and what I uh, saw when I watched these two episodes. And I probably don't anticipate watching any other episodes. It was just that uh, the church employed a youth pastor I work with youth pastors. I'd like to think maybe I am one. And so uh, I thought it was worth tapping back into this bit of American television culture. There's a few other things in the episodes that I thought were really wonderful. Um, Reverend Lovejoy travels to Michigan to a mega church. And uh, we don't see much of the church other than the sort of shopping center complex that is the foyer. And that ultimately when uh, Lovejoy reveals that he's clergy, he gets smuggled in the back um, to meet the other clergies who who are the clergy people who aren't the ones uh, preaching in the sort of stadium uh, with a blimp, but they're in sort of leather-bound books, um, secret studies squirreled away. Uh, I love that. I mean, it's a it's a cheap shop, but I love um, it. It brought back uh, glimpses of Jesus in the marketplace in the temple. Um, I loved that uh, we see love joys both belief in his calling and his commitment to his people uh, and his love of trains. Um, Again, that's probably something that you regular Simpsons fans know. Uh, I didn't know that, uh, but would, would I be surprised to hear that many ministers had a secret train collection and hobby? No, I wouldn't. That seems to me like uh, something that would fit that trope. Now, friends, I do want to talk about youth pastors in congregations Uh, and and all the stereotypes we see about Bodhi are, are correct and live themselves out in congregations. This sense of being the cool alternative to the, you know, the upright, boring, conservative pastor. This uh, one-stop shop for entertainment with charisma and belief and looks and music and art and talent and language and wokeness. Um, Many people will try to set themselves up as that. And yet I hope that you've heard uh, throughout the last five seasons and you will continue to hear that that is all just bogus. That the the performance, the presupposition, the pretense that uh, it is somehow about an individual that uh, makes the difference, that, that is central to... Uh, youth ministry simply is not, is not true. And we've spent decades of the church proving to ourselves that that's the case. Anytime leadership is bound up in an individual and their personality, that's toxic, friends. Uh, I've been wanting to say for a long time that I think leadership shows up when you leave. How you have led in a time, uh, if you've done that well, that is only evidence when you leave. Um, and I've I can say that having left a few positions and everything falling apart. So, uh, well, maybe leadership's also about learning. But if it is, if our youth ministries are bound up in the personalities and 
the looks and the genre of youth pastor in our congregations, we've missed the point. We've missed the point that God ministers to us. We've missed the point that the incarnation is revealed in relationships. We've missed the point that God reaches out and that grace is the answer and that love defines the character of God and that each of us, with our brokenness, with our peculiarities, are called into a loving community. Youth ministry isn't special. It's not magic. It is simply creating spaces where people can experience the wonder of God, where they can encounter a crucified Christ, where they can um, capture a glimpse of the kingdom of God and find their place in it. Uh, It's been wonderful these last few weeks. I've actually been in two book clubs. You know, everyone decided to start these whimsical projects during lockdown, and I decided two book clubs would be fun. I'd never done one before, so why not do two? And we've been studying Andy Root's book, The End of Youth Ministry, and we've had Andy on to chat about it uh, a few weeks ago, and I hope you, if you're interested, you can get a copy of it. It's profoundly challenging. It both builds on Andy's work that I've read previously, but it also comes in with a few left jabs to practitioners and to people who think they've got a sense of what this youth ministry cape is about. And so I do recommend it. And again, it just every any time I get a sense that um, we've got it under control, Andy rips the carpet out. Um, and and I love the fact that he can do that without being a practitioner himself. It's not everyone's cup of tea. You might find it confronting and challenging, uh, but I encourage you to to dive into it and to read it with your friends. If you're a youth pastor, get your leaders together or read it with your uh, ministry team members uh, or just read it with a friend and, and see what do you hear, what do they hear. Um, it's well worth tearing into, as is any ministry book, I think. I think if we read in isolation, we're just going to uh, have our assumptions affirmed and dismiss uh, the challenging part. So I do recommend, I found it really encouraging to read the book in two totally different groups. One is all uh, ministry agents and practitioners, and the other one, we've got parents and volunteers, school chaplains. We've got a, a wide range, so two very distinct conversations, and I'm definitely learning a lot more than I have been uh, teaching. So if you can, coming back to uh, the First Church of Springfield, if you can get access to these episodes, Warring Priests, I, I do recommend it. It is good fun uh, to have a laugh at our own profession, to uh, lift the lid on some of the church practices and traditions that really we have gone unquestioned for so long. And now television is coming in and helping us uh, discover our own idiosyncrasies. We will be back in a couple of weeks with somewhat of a normal routine again. I'm not quite sure when I can get access to the Super Studio in at work. Uh, I'll probably still be working from the shed out here at our home office for a little while yet Um, but we will endeavor to connect with guests and continue to have these important conversations as always you can get in touch um, particularly if you want to provide you know the theme song for season six Uh, we we love that and if you want to offer suggestions about content ask questions uh, we could get you on the phone we could have a conversation live on a podcast So uh, all things are before us. But friends, thank you for listening. Uh, As always, it has been a truly wonderful uh, journey to go with you. Thanks to the people who have been part of this season, uh, both these short round-the-block episodes and the longer 
uh, episodes that were the, made up the first part of season five. And we will be back again in the studio uh, with more opportunities for work experience soon.